0: Dream big's boy you're gonna make it. Stay told his the higher road to take it. Let go of everything that you wrote know, and be you in the Missouri. Yeah.
1: Welcome to the Beers and Bible Podcast, a podcast that brings together a love for good beer and Bible discussion. You can find us on Instagram at Beers and underscore. And on Twitter at Beers and Bible P1. You can also email us at beersandbiblepodcast at gmail.com. If you enjoy what you hear on Beers and Bible, please consider leaving a five-star rating and review on your podcast platform to help us promote this podcast. In the words of the reformer Martin Luther, Whoever drinks beer, he is quick to sleep. Whoever sleeps long does not sin. Whoever does not sin enters heaven. Thus, let us drink beer. So let's join our hosts, Rick and Patrick, for this week's discussion." Welcome back to episode number 61 of the Beers and Bible Podcast. I am Rick. And I am Patrick. And we are so excited to be with you this evening to discuss beer and theology and such. And Bibles. I'm excited for Patrick tonight. Dude, you have no idea. (laughs) So (laughs) last week, Rick, in his... um, cruel uh, way <laughs> uh, went ahead and reviewed the Hershey's Yingling um, that we had talked about I guess it was this time last year? That it was talk- close to it, yeah, yeah. They they had released, you know, said that they were doing it but it was only on tap basically in Pennsylvania. Um, this year they announced that they were going to bottle it and distribute it. I drove all over Kingdom Come <laughs> Like the, the package store ended up, at, I probably passed like 15 package stores to get to this one. Nice. And I like, I was in there on Saturday. Cause we, we were down that way. Had to, we we're running some errands and, um, I went in there cause the, web, the gingling website said that they just di- delivered there, that they're a distributor and would have this one. So I go in there and ask the guy, he's like, no, we are out. It, we got it in last week and it was really popular, but we're expecting some more Wednesday. and I was like, okay, cool, I'll plan on uh, coming down on Wednesday. So Wednesday morning, I email the store to confirm that they still have a shipment coming in. And they say, we can let you know when it gets in, so you know, and I was like, that would be amazing. <laughs> Please do that. I drove down there, and I went ahead and got a 12-pack because I'm anticipating nice. uh, really enjoying this. So I'm a little jealous of your 12-pack because the only thing I could find is six-packs.
0: Well, you so. could buy two of them.
1: I could, yes. And I'm probably going to buy another six pack. Ironically, I still have one left. It's like you know how you get something really good and you get that last one, and you're like, I really want it, but I don't want it because once I drink that one it's all like it's and gone. It's gone, gone forever. You don't know when you're gonna get it again. Yes. Yeah, that's so. my only fear that I'm gonna drink all twelve really fast. <laughs> I actually got it <laughs> so we're recording on Thursday, I got it yesterday and uh-huh. um had to refrain myself from like opening one in the parking lot. I um, had to do the same thing last week. So, but uh, since Rick already re- kind of ex- you know described the Yingling, the Hershey's uh, Yingling Porter last week, um, I'm not going to give you any more details because there's not really <laughs> anything. There's nothing new, dude. The bottle is really cool. I like. It I think it looks like Yingling has a really clean, classy looking bottle already. Mm-hmm. It just looks very sharp. So, yeah, I'm yeah, I'm beyond excited. I'm ready for you. Tonight I'm gonna do the one that I was going to do last week. So I have the Highwire Lager uh from Highwire Brewing uh tonight and I'm a fan, a good fan of Lager, so I'm hoping this is gonna be pretty good. I was I was really kind of anticipating it last week, but um that got in the way and the Hershey Jingling got in the way and I knew I couldn't put Hershey Jingling in my refrigerator and leave it there for a week. So that was why I reviewed it last week. Well, I appreciate your candor. I still think you were kind of a dirtbag for doing that last week. I was salty. I don't know if you could tell, um, but oh, we could tell. I'm I'm over it now um, because I have it myself. I, I told I was telling my wife. I told you before we started recording. Um, so you have to wear a mask to go in the store. And when I got it, when I saw it, like I was giddy. I was like I was like a six year old in a candy shop for the first time. Is what it felt like to me. I was walking out, and I was like, I cannot believe I'm getting out. Because like, it, it, the the anticipation and the buildup has been so yes. intense, and I'm really hoping it doesn't let me down. Um, based on your review last week, it's not. But, I don't think um, it will. I guess we're about to find out. We are. So, I've got the High Wire Lager, True American Lager. Patrick's got the Yingling Hershey's Porter. Mm-hmm. And I think we're all excited for him. So, let's crack them open and get to reviewing some beer. Let's do it. Here we go. Three. Two, one, trap. Oh, dear. Oh, my goodness. Mine spewed a little bit. That smells like everything I want it to smell like. See, I told you. Now, my glass isn't cold. I forgot to put my glass in the freezer before, like, when I got home. Mm-hmm. But uh, I, I'm not anticipating needing a glass that long, actually, so you won't. This is an interesting, interesting looking lager here. It's light like yours was, mm-hmm. but it's not clear, huh? Yeah, I can see it's like got, got some per- it's particulates got, it's like in got some, it. Yeah, it's got some haze into it. Hmm. What's it? I don't know what? if it's just the way I poured it or what. Does it say what it's made of? Um. Well, it says on the website it says that they use German tradition hops and German tetanang hops. I don't know if I'm saying that right. Uh, they definitely say they say it's a clear gold color. I mean, I guess it's those wacky it's Germans. A, yeah, it's a. I mean, it's it's definitely gold, yeah. but I wouldn't qualify this as clear because I've got it in a clear glass and I cannot see through the glass. I think of clear gold like gold tequila. Like yes. that's clear gold. Hold that glass up again. All right. I'm also drinking from a gingling glass. Heck yeah, mine's got mine's the like winter puppies. Nice. Mine's just the traditional lager cup. It's one of my favorite cups that I have. So, well, I figured I was drinking a Yingling, I better drink from the Yingling glass. Or that's what I did last split week. Split the time space continuum <laughs> or something. Okay, so um, let's go ahead and, and get turn these, them up. Get these going so I can give this a five. <laughs> Sounds good to me. Here we go. Down the hatch. I it. want Patrick to go first. That is everything I hoped it would be. <laughs> yeah, that's that's five Luther's all day long. <laughs> um, I, I know I, I don't know if this is because of your review of it last week that I am leaning that way, um, but it's really good. The chocolate is, it is the most chocolatey porter we've had. Yes. And it's because it's a it's a very distinct chocolate flavor. Hershey has that very distinct milk chocolate yes. flavor, and it's in it is throughout this beer, but it's not. But it's not super sweet. It's not like you mm-hmm. melted down a milk chocolate Hershey bar and poured it in a glass and drank it. Like it's yeah. not that sweet. So the beer cuts through pretty well. It's a very good balance between Gingling in mm-hmm. tr- the Hershey's. Um, and this is this is five Luthers all day long.
0: <laughs> I knew you'd give it I brought, five Luthers. I
1: brought so my where I record is upstairs from the main living space. I went ahead and brought two up from the fridge downstairs. Um because I'm in, in preparation. In preparation and I'm leaving the other ten downstairs for my wife and I to enjoy at our leisure throughout the next few days. So Throughout tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. After we get home from work tomorrow we'll split ten Hershey Porters and be useless this weekend. So no, but yeah, five out of five, a hundred percent. Yeah, it is good. It, it is really good, and and I've even the more I have drank it over the last week, the more I've, I really have enjoyed it. And I'm going to go back and find some more before it's gone, uh, because it is a limited release kind of deal. So, but uh, but co- coming in uh, in second place tonight is going to be the High Wire Lager. Um, this is a this is actually a pretty good beer. Mm-hmm. Um, I I've I, I want to say this is very similar to um, the Classic City Lager that we had from Creature Comforts mm-hmm, up mm-hmm. there in Athens. It kind of it kind of reminds me. The flavor is a little bit different, but the texture profile and that's what I like. That it's got that haziness that the the Classic City had, and so it's got a little bit of that that Classic City taste there. Um, it's not quite the same, but it's a pretty good lager. I would enjoy this with a meal. I would enjoy this sitting on a porch. Mm -hmm. You know, this would, this would be a really good, just kind of multi-purpose beer. Yeah. Um, flavor profile is really good. Texture is really good. It is, it's light and crisp. And so it's a, it's a pretty, it's a pretty standard lager. It's a pretty standard lager. Um, you know, I, I think it's better than other lagers that we've had. So I'm going to come in and I'm going to give it four Luthers. Um, because it's, I mean, I think that's what I gave the, the classic city two was four Luthers. Mm -hmm. I may have given it four and a half. I believe you're right actually on that. So yeah, four, we both gave classic city four Luthers. Four Luthers. Like it's right there with that. Okay. That's what it reminded me of when I, when I drank it, I was like, it's just kind of like the, uh, the classic, which I've enjoyed the classic city. I've actually gone back and and bought it. Same. uh, Several times. Before we moved. I can't find it now. And it was funny is the, one of the stores that I went to, um, to look for beer, I've asked them. I'm like, "Hey, can you get the Creature Comforts line uh, here in your store?" And he was like, uh, "Man, I wish I could. I've been trying to get them in here for like a year, and just they they won't come down here." And I was like, "Damn it!" <laughs> so, that is interesting and kind of confusing, but very much, very much. Yeah, the, we're we're not far apart. Yeah, uh, we're not that far. No. Yeah, the classic yeah. city is has been a go to several times for for us. So we've really enjoyed that one. That's good to know if I can find that one. What was funny is I looked for that logger, I guess it was last week, uh, before you got the Hershey's and completely threw everything off. Um, (laughs) And I could, and so the store I went to has high wire, but Uh didn't have the high wire, that particular logger. And so I was was bummed out and I was like, well, I guess I'll just get another logger. So that's what happened with that. Which I, I don't think I said where. How I didn't even look where they were from. Where uh, are from? Louisiana. I'm guessing. I have no idea. I can't see on the bottle anywhere. Where oh, I think from. they're from North Carolina. Actually, no. Yeah, they're in Durham. Uh, okay. Wait. 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 Well, there's brewed and canned by Three Rings Brewing in Asheville, North Carolina. Yeah. So Asheville, Western North Carolina. Yeah. So so they, well, there you go. I think they've got a. I think they've got a couple of different locations, but I could be wrong. Yeah, it looks it's like awesome. I'm wrong. Yeah, yeah, I'm definitely wrong. They're they're in North Carolina. I brought two tonight as well, so I'm gonna. I am gonna enjoy this one after I finish my first one. But uh, Patrick's gonna completely down his Hershey's Porter as he should. Dude, because it it's, tastes uh, it's like worth- <laughs> it tastes like a little bit like hot chocolate. Yes, it's like it's like cold hot chocolate beer. <laughs> I'm sure that was what they envisioned in the pitch meeting too. Alright. We gotta have a chocolate beer. We want it to taste like hot chocolate, but we also want it to taste like beer and it can't be hot. What can you do? I know this guy over at Hershey's. Let's call them and see if they can help us out. Yes. No, it's, it's really Deal. good. If you can get your if you are in Gingling's distribution locations or area which apparently is only, like, east of the Mississippi River and up to, like, Ohio, so it's not even all the way to Indiana, Missouri, that area. Um, If you can get it, for sure, try it. Yes. Yingling, we're going to tag you, and if you're listening to this, please make the Hershey's Porter year-round. Please distribute it everywhere, and please... Sinusic. Don't ever stop making Sinusicace. it because it's so amazing. Send us a, <laughs> a pa- case. A pallet of Yingling Hershey's. <laughs> yes, we'll take a pallet, please. Yes. Um, yeah, it is that good. Highwire, I, I, I know you're coming in pl- the second place tonight, but you're pretty good, too. Four Luthers there. Hershey's coming in strong again. This, I mean, that's... Uh, well, it's, it's it's better than the, um, the River Rat that I had last week. I haven't had another one of those. Like I've still that, got, that, I've still got the four that I had when I we were after we recorded last week. <laughs> I haven't touched it again, but I've also been drinking other stuff. So, anyway, yeah. all that to say. Well, there you go. There's some beer discussion. Hope you enjoyed that beer discussion. High wire, good job, Yingling, excellent job again uh, this week. Uh, now we're going to continue on. We're going to close out our discussion that we've been having for the last few weeks on the Bible, and tonight we're going to talk kind of more in a practical tone um, about translations and how to use translations and that kind of stuff. We've talked about the different, I guess, religions, Bibles, Mormonism, uh, Judaism, the the Apocrypha. We talked about the Quran a little bit. Um, and so tonight we're going to really focus on English translations of the Bible and kind of just talk through why we have so many translations, what they're for, how we can use them, and how Christians can learn from these different translations. So Stick around and we will be right back. And we are back. Um, I'm almost done with my... Uh, Porter. Believe it or not, we had a pretty long break there, and um, <laughs> I, I'm I'm enjoying it, is what I'm doing. I'm taking my time. So. Good. Good for you. Um, I did just uh, text my wife saying we need to stock up uh, before it goes away forever. So, um, Or at least until next year. <laughs> yeah, for real. So, um, like Rick hinted at, tonight we're going to talk about... Um, we're going to talk a little bit more about the Bible, but less about its comparison to... Um, other holy books um, and that kind of thing, but we're going to talk more about um, the Bible in and of itself when it comes to translations, different translations of the Bible, where they came from, um, how we got the Bible as we see it today, um, how we can know that different translations of the Bible are, um, are... inspired to a degree and we'll cover that when we get to it so um but let's dive in here so so let's talk about um just general translations of the bible so when um when was the bible when did the bible start being translated into other languages from the original um hebrew aramaic and greek so you um just to just to give a little bit of history here you can go back to uh, like fourth century, fifth century kind of stuff. You're gonna get uh, translations like the Latin Vulgate, which was the standard for a while. You're gonna get uh, there's there's actually like a Coptic version um, mm-hmm. of the of the Greek New Testament, and then there is uh, and this is kind of part of a couple of weeks ago we talked about all of the the different copies of the Greek New Testament that we have. Um, they're they're coded by what's called a codex, or when you have multiple, they're called codices, um, and and different ones have different names, mm-hmm. and so there are a few uh, full Matthew to Revelation uh, copies of the New Testament, and and those kind of get their own little like you have um, Codex Vaticanus, you have the Textus Receptus, um, there there are there are a few like that that kind of stand as a almost like i, I want to say like a uh the standard if you're uh, i forget what the term is when you're doing like scientific method stuff you have your your constant your variable um these full versions almost act similar i don't want to say it's exactly like a constant because it's 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 not this exactly the same but you, I, I hope you're seeing the comparison i'm trying to make like it's the mm-hmm. one this is the full-blown one so we kind of piece all the other stuff together and compare it to this one and see how the That's where they get these this accuracy rating from. Is is they they compare all of these other ones to these full versions that we have and see how they all play out. Gotcha. And so, so it's it's uh the the process of that is called multiple attestation, uh, and where you attest to something multiple times, and that's that proves or, or that shows the legitimacy of whatever it is that you're working on if it can be attested. Time and time again, and, and you end up with the same results. You get you get what's called multiple attestation, right? Um, and so, so you have those translations that will lead into uh, English translations, mm-hmm. and and really um, kind of the the first big English translation that you're going to come up with is the Geneva Bible in mm-hmm. like 1599. Yeah, and then shortly after the Geneva Bible, you have King James who. Mm-hmm. Uh, initiates the King James version, or as some people like to call it, the authorized version, because it was authorized by King James. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, and King James, if, if I'm remembering my history right, King James used the Textus Receptus to translate from Greek to English. Okay. The, whatever the, the crew that he used. Um, and so, so you end up with the King James version of the Bible coming strategically from the Textus Receptus. Um, and, and there are other, there are other texts that are, in my opinion, equally as, uh, as I guess you could say authoritative. Um, we're going to kind of hit on this in just a little bit, but, but you, the Texas Receptus is not the be all end all because the Texas Receptus is not an original autograph. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah. And so, so, you know, Paul didn't write the Texas Receptus, um, what what Paul wrote we have in in kind of fragments and we can piece all of the fragments together and create and, and you know we can build what we have in the textus receptus but but that gets to what what's what's called the inspiration of scripture so mm-hmm. um, when you talk about the inerrancy or the inspiration of scripture theologians will say I believe that the Bible is inspired and inerrant in the original autographs. Now, that may sound like a cop-out, but what it means is that over the years, there have been translations, and those translations could, could muddy the water a little bit, because you may not understand exactly what the translator meant. Okay? Right. Doesn't mean the translator had it wrong, but what it does mean is that now the water is a little bit more muddy than it was. Yeah, it, it's that like we were talking about before. It's that idea of the transfer of inspiration does not occur. Like, yeah, like that. Like God inspired Paul. God inspired yeah. John. God inspired um, the prophets of the Old Testament. David. He he inspired those individuals to write down what they wrote down. Yes. God. God had His hand in it, but He did not inspire those who translated yeah. those writings from the original language to the new language. Exactly. Exactly. And and what you end up with is is it doesn't mean that the English versions we have are corrupt or tainted mm-hmm. or, right, um, you know, because God also says he's going to preserve his word. Mm-hmm. So uh, it does not mean that because it's been translated as corrupt or tainted, but what it does mean is that those translations don't carry the same inspiration when you're talking about the inspiration and inerrancy of scripture. They don't carry the same inspiration as the original manuscripts do. Okay. Um, now what that means that 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 does not change application it does not change the words it does not change anything about, the authority of Scripture. At this point, you're just talking about the physical copies of the of Scripture. Exactly. You're exactly. just talking about like my physical hard copy of the Holman Christian Standard Bible that I use. It yeah. is not "quote unquote" divinely inspired the way that the original writings of Paul exactly. or Timothy yeah. or any, exactly. anybody would have been. Yeah, okay. but because those words are. Traceable, ninety nine point nine percent accurate, back to the original autographs. They carry the same authority mm-hmm. and inspiration that the original autographs have. Yeah, they, if, they, if that makes sense. They don't carry the divine inspiration. They carry the divine authoritativeness. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. Yeah, that's I, that's a good way to put it. They carry the divine authoritativeness of the inspiration of the autographs. Right. So, um, but but we end up with all these different translations and we end up with all these different versions of the bible we have the mm-hmm. esv the the nlt the nab the nasb the asv the kjv the you know pick your three letter acronym it's like a and, bad and can of spaghettios man <laughs> it really is and and the question becomes you know what are we as how are we supposed to do this you know um kjv only that's how <laughs> we kjv only do it. baby that's how we do it um no'ing well no, not at speaking all. of inspiration you know there there is there are people who believe and and they're k j v onlyists. uh mm-hmm. a lot of times there are people who believe in what's called double inspiration which which i don't hold to mm-hmm. I hope patrick doesn't hold to it because i'm about to demolish it, but not really demolish it but uh double inspiration actually says that you know the original autographs are inspired and also the same inspiration came upon the people who translated from the Texas Receptus to the King James version. So So, they believe, yeah, the the same level of inspiration. So God God, dictated to those people. God inspired Paul and God inspired King James. Is that what they're saying? Not necessarily King James, but the people who worked on it for King James, God inspired them to do, to translate it correctly. And that's why you'll hear people, if you hear somebody refer to the King James as the authorized version, that does carry that King James connotation, but it also it carries with it the meaning that they believe God authorized them to translate it from the Texas Receptus to the King James, and that's the version that we're supposed to use because of that second degree of inspiration. Yeah, I'm not on board with that, primarily because <laughs> um, after the Bible was concluded, the I mean, I'm not sure if this is a proper application of it, but there's no new, nothing new under the sun kind of thing. Yeah, close canon. Yeah, so, you know, and and not to say that God's word is corrupted in any way, but if you... Okay, let me backtrack. If we're going to say... God is, ugh, I'm having a hard time processing <laughs> it. God is omniscient. God is all knowing God control, like God sets into motion and God doesn't let anything happen without there being a plan for it. So I do believe that everything in the Bible is in the Bible because God allows it to be in the Bible. Uh-huh. Um, so I don't think anything could be mistranslated. Yeah because because of that but I don't think God inspired those men because they were men almost surely to translate from the previous text yes it's it's a very tricky situation where you're saying it's inspired without being inspired mm-hmm. um, it's not it's not like it's not necessarily inspired so so much to say it's just like God ensured that it didn't become corrupt yeah it's preserved right is is kind of the right way to say it the inspiration is preserved in the translations right but the translations are not inspired as the originals are inspired right and so if if that helps muddy the waters any there you go (laughs) i mean god god didn't um speak to or reveal himself to the people who were translating the scriptures yeah um he didn't how i mean however he did it he didn't embody them and take control of their hand and write down the words like whatever whatever it is i don't i don't know and i don't believe that to be the case but whatever um yeah but he didn't audibly speak he didn't come to them in a dream they were just working on translating it from one language to another um and god again isn't going to let his word become corrupt but he's not yeah. going to inspire those people to do that work yeah so, if we've got these English translations and we and we say, "Are these English translations inspired?" Yes and no they're they are inspired in in that they're God's words, and they have been translated faithfully, they've been preserved, but they're not inspired in the same aspect that the original you know Paul writing it down was inspired. Um, then we move into, okay, well, we have all these translations. What do they mean? What's the difference between?" A message in an ESV what's the difference between the NIV and the, the King james version what like what are these and and there there is a helpful uh, chart if you search it, you can just search English version translations and you're going to get a hundred charts and they're all going to look very similar. Um, but you have on one side you have basically what's called word for word translations mm-hmm. um, these are these a lot of times are translations that are that are almost hard to read. Because the wording may be very difficult. Because Um, because it was a word from word from original to English or whatever. And there's not necessarily a a corresponding word or the words don't make sense if if they're out of order. Yeah, well, even, I mean, if you've ever studied Greek, you know that a Greek sentence, like in English, you have a subject and a predicate. And typically the subject comes first and the predicate comes second. Um, sometimes you may flip that and, and, and there are cases when you get into more advanced writing that that happens, but in Greek word order doesn't matter any at all. I mean, you can, you can put the subject at the beginning, you can put it at the end, you can put it in the middle, it doesn't matter. And so, you know, um, what, what defines the way that a a Greek sentence is translated is, the cases and the declensions of Mm -hmm. the words in that sentence. And so you find the nominative case and that's typically your subject. And then you find the verbs that go along with it that are attached to that nominative case. And, and you, and the declensions help you define which words are linked together. So, you know, to pair up those words and then you get all of these words that are translated and then you try to make them into a complete English sentence that makes sense and is readable. So in the word for words, a lot of times those words may get out of order a little bit, but they're trying to convey that this is the word and this is the word, and it gets translated kind of in a very rigid way. Okay. So your New American Standard, your ESV, um, the New English Translation, which is called the NET, all of those are very word for word. Even the King James is very word for word. That's why a lot of times it's hard to read. And, and I, I know the old language makes it even worse uh, but you have the New King James, mm-hmm. uh, which which to some people is, is basically like apostasy. Um, but it tries to update some of those these and thous to you and and just some of the the old English language into new English language so that it still carries the same wording as the King James version. But they just update the, the words from thee and thou and thus and, you know, uh, smite and smote into, you know, actual words that we use today in english you yours mm-hmm. um and so it just tries to update the language while still preserving the the king james translation of it okay then you move into what's called the, the meaning for meaning so you'll have like a group of words that mean something and and hebrew is actually really really mm-hmm. bad about this you'll have one hebrew word that means that that is basically an entire sentence and i'll give you an example uh, the Ten Commandments are ten words it 's literally called the ten words um and so each commandment is one word well if you 've ever read the Ten Commandments in Exodus, thou shalt not kill that is one word in in Hebrew uh you know so how how do we you know how do we convey that well, you convey that in a meaning meaning to meaning translation. Mm-hmm. And so that's going to be where you're uh, – there's one called the God's Word translation that's a little bit more like that where it tries to catch capture the meaning of each one of those words and capture the – what the word is trying to say as far as not so much literally the word, but what's the essence behind the word? What's the history behind the word? Gotcha. Um, you call that the etymology of the word. Mm-hmm. And you move from there into a thought for thought. So this takes – just kind of, a, instead of it focusing on the word and the meaning of an individual word, this takes a, a whole phrase, maybe a thought, and it tries to sum that thought up. This is where you're going to get into um, your more popular uh, modern day versions, like the CSB, the Christian Standard Bible, which I love. Uh, I love the CSB. Mm-hmm. Um, the NIV, uh, we joke and call that the nearly inspired version. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um. But these are going to be ones that are going to capture, instead of trying to focus on the exact wording and getting the wording exactly right, um, you're trying to capture an entire thought. So okay. what is Paul saying in Ephesians 1? Well, he's talking about adoption. He's talking about election. He's talking about these kind of things. And you really kind of structure your sentences around that. And and so that's where you're going to see these sentences take on different structures um, and, 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 sometimes it might look like they're contradicting itself. And this is why it's good to read from a broad spectrum, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, it, yeah. when it comes to Bible translation. So I'm, I'm not going to get distracted. I'm going to keep going because I'm going to make it all the way through this. The last one that we have, um, is called the paraphrase. Now the paraphrase is the one that every Bible scholar loves to make fun of. Um, because a paraphrase literally takes, um, uh, you, I mean, it almost takes the word for word, the meaning for meaning, and the thought for thought, and it says, how can I say this in the most convincing modern-day language, period? Mm-hmm. The most popular paraphrase Bible that we have is the message. Right. Um, Eugene Peterson worked on it, and, and for all of its faults, I love the message. Uh, but I would never use the message to teach theology.
0: Mm-hmm. I
1: would never use the message to study the Bible. I would use the message simply for enjoyment of reading. Yeah, because a lot of times these paraphrase the Good News Translation, the Passion Translation, um, the Message, the New International Revised, the NIRV, the New International Revised Version. Um, all of these are really just trying to to reword to try to make you rethink, and so. Uh, i would never ever use the message as a you know deep bible study book but what i would use it for is man i'm getting up and i'm going to read my two chapters of of the bible in the morning or three chapters or whatever Mm -hmm. i'm reading i'll read it in the message you know all i'm doing is reading when you're talking about reading plans i I say go for the message every time you know I, Mm -hmm. I, i was especially if you're if you're First time trying to read through the Bible in, in a specific set of time, a year, six months, whatever it is, man, pick you up a paraphrased Bible and read that thing all the way through because you're going to get the gist of what, what's going on. Yeah. And it's a little bit easier to read than, you know, this guy begat this guy beget, this guy who did this and that and that beget, this guy, be-, you know, it's just not as rigid as that Yeah, a it, lot of times. It's, it's a good, um, it's a good stepping like a good like first step to the deeper yeah. dives of the word for word meaning for meaning um let me ask you this now that you've gone okay. through all of that um would you say that paraphrase versions of the bible like the message or the good news translation are any less inspired than the ESV, the New American Standard, even the King James or New King James. Yeah, um, it's that's really hard to say because I'm never going to put the message on the same plane as the ESV. Okay. I'm, I'm uh, and and I say that this way. I'm a I'm a student of theology. I love to study theology. I love to study the the deep parts of Scripture. Okay. And and I'm never gonna use the message to do that. What I might use the message for is if I'm going out to talk to people and and I'm gonna I'm gonna do evangelism of some sort, I might carry a message with me because I know that the message is going to word it a little bit differently. Mm-hmm. And what I might say is, you know, here's what it says here in this in this version of the Bible. The the version that I study says it this way. But they're both saying the same. And so I might use it as as a bridge tool, Mm -hmm. I guess, is is the way I would say that. Um, I might use it to try to bridge a gap where, you know, if you walk up to somebody with a King James Version and, you know, you start reading from any, pick any weird verse, you know, they're going to be like, what in the world are you talking about? Yeah, you're not going to accomplish anything with that. (laughs) You know, and people will immediately reject you. So I'll use something that will allow me... To kind of get into their comfort zone, mm-hmm. and and that to me is what the message is good for. Okay, um, does that mean it's any less inspired? Man, it's it's really hard to say because we just you know I, I believe that the ESV is not as inspired as the original autographs. You know, And do you, and, do you, I, I'm I know I'm just I'm asking questions here. Do you? What about the King? Like, let's go back King James, like the original. Uh-huh. King James version is it more inspired than the ESV or less inspired than the original I mean you obviously believe it would be less inspired than the original autographs <laughs> is it yeah. more inspired than the ESV Um I don't know um, I feel like the King James version and the ESV are to me they're equivalents uh, they're equivalents that are written for different time periods Um when the in in when the King James version was written, and this is why I don't dismiss the King James version. Do I like the King James version? No, I don't like it. I can't read it. it it's hard. Uh, a lot of times, it doesn't make sense because I'm not well versed in Old English. Mm-hmm. You know, if I were a, a scholar on Shakespeare, I would probably enjoy the, the King James version better. Yeah, it, you it's, know, But it's I'm almost not. like trying to read a, a Greek or Hebrew version of the Bible. To some like yeah. like to so, like to me, if I, I could open a King James and a Greek Bible and barely be able to tell the difference, probably. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm not illiterate, like I'm fairly intelligent. So Yeah. <laughs> yeah so you end up I mean, I, I think that each translation has its own strengths and weaknesses. And this is where I like to encourage encourage people, especially students who want to be deep students of the Bible. I will tell them Buy multiple versions of the Bible, multiple translations of the Bible, and when you sit down to study a scripture, read it in multiple different translations because um, each translation is going to give you a, a slightly different perspective. And, and I, I think the way that I've, I've worded this before when I, when I talk to people about this is uh, I think about the, the movie Vantage Point. If you've ever seen the movie Vantage Point, it is one story and you end up getting like three or four different people's perspectives okay. on how the whole thing played out.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And, and all of these people saw the same event. So the one event happened and it happened a certain way. Mm-hmm. But depending on where that person was standing, they perceived the events differently. Um, and, and you could even make that same argument as, uh, as the four gospels. Mm-hmm. You know, the yeah, four yeah, gospels yeah. Are, are really the same kind of thing. And so, um, I, I kind of tend to see translations that way, where each translation offers a specific strength because it allows you to see a specific vantage point. Right. Um, King James. This is shortly after the Reformation. The I mean, really and truly, Protestantism is new, and I mean, it's it's uh, at this point, it's ninety three years old. If you if you date it back to Martin Luther in fifteen seventeen. It's ninety three years old, mm-hmm. so it's a baby compared to the Catholic Church, which is almost, you know, uh, one and a half millennia old. It's, it's fifteen hundred years ish old at that point, point. Mm-hmm. Um, and so so the the King James version I, I believe was a specific tool used by God in that time period, and it can still be an asset for for us today. We may not like it; we may think it's hard to read but it can still be an asset for us today. Yeah. Um the ESV to me is like what the the King James version was uh in 1611. Um because if you when the ESV came out, I mean it was like there had not been a new quality translation other than the NASB that happened in oh man the revision was in 1995. I'm trying to remember when the NASB came out. I want to say it was in the 70s or 80s. But the NASB was really the first like word for word. And if you've ever read an NASB, you'll notice that the, the NASB is very hard to read. 1971. Um, 71. Revised okay. in 95. Yeah. So the ESV to me is like, and, and this chart actually has it this way, the ESV to me is like one step closer to uh, trying to word it a little bit better while still sticking to word for word mm-hmm. um but trying to make it a, trying to smooth the edges a little bit the nasb is like a, like this bumpy road that you're on like you're driving through louisiana and the esv to me is like you just left louisiana and now you're in mississippi the roads are not a whole lot better but they're you're just not quite as bumpy as you were 20 minutes ago right <laughs> so um just for your for personal, like, what do you use for your own personal study? So, me personally, I use two versions. I use the ESV and the CSB. Okay. And and the ESV is a word-for-word, word, and the CSB is a thought-for-thought. Thought. Um, and I think those two, to me, really balance each other out. They give you a uh, a great translation, an accurate translation, and then... To me, the CSB will give you uh, a really good way to word it, and, and in fact, um, the the slogan for the CSB is "faithful and true," mm-hmm. uh, and so they, you know, they try to stay faithful to the original language, um, faithful to what the original writers intended, uh, and then and and true to that, while still being modern in their language, and in the way that they present it to modern readers. Gotcha. So. How about you, what, what, what have you studied over there? I'm, I'm an admitted theology student, but you know, so you're not, so a lay person, what do you do? So I, when, when I graduated from high school, our high school pastor gave us a copy, like our church gave us Bibles when we graduated from high school, mm-hmm. um, it was really a cool thing for them to do. Um, because like for me, like I had gotten a new King James version of the Bible for my parents from Chris for Christmas. Like two or three years before that, when I first started like showing a little bit of interest in church, not that we were a religious family, we never were. Um, but that's you know another a story for another episode, I guess. <laughs> but um, so that the version that our high school pastor gave us was the Holman Christian Standard, and mm-hmm. that is what I read probably almost exclusively for. When did you and I meet? <laughs> uh 2018 (laughs) yeah so i mean it was basically 10 years that i read probably almost exclusively the holman christian i would occasionally read like the niv or um maybe the message occasionally um Uh the last couple of years i've probably gone more even split between the holman christian standard and the esv and esv Uh um just to get a little bit of a different perspective, I know they're in similar spots on this chart. Um, between, um, I think Holman Christian Standard is a little closer to, uh, thought for thought than the it is. So, so, fun fact the HCSB is the big brother of the CSB. Okay. Um, it is, it, they, they shortened it. Uh, if you, if you run in, Uh, Baptist groups, Mm -hmm. so the the HCSB was written by the Southern Baptist, it was translated by the Southern Baptist Convention. That makes sense, because it came from a Southern Baptist church. Yep. Uh, It it was called the, so we have these nicknames for all of these, the NIV, I said, was the nearly inspired version, the HCSB was the hardcore Southern Baptist, Mm -hmm. and the CSB is the cool Southern Baptist. So. (laughs) Okay, yeah, yeah. (laughs) So, so what you're saying is the CSB and the HCSB are fairly inter- interchangeable. They're going to be very close, and, and in fact, what they did is they, when they did the CSB, um, they actually took people from the ESV translation committee, sat down with the HCSB, and just really kind of reworked it. Um, okay, and, and it's it, it was it was put together by a different um, publishing group, and so that's that's what moved it. They just they, they basically dropped the Holman. It's not, it's not published by Holman anymore. I think the CSB is published by either Crossway or, I don't know, I've got like six copies up here. I should probably know this. (laughs) Um, I don't know. It's, it's, it's published by Holman. The CSB is published by Holman. So derived by Holman, BNH publishing group. That's what I have. There's different ones. So I've got one, the C S B is is published by Holman Bible series. Okay. So they may have just uh just ran it out to to multiple different um multiple different publishers at that point, but yeah, this is the one of the ones that I have, the CSB is the ancient faith study bible. Uh and that has commentary from first century theologians in it. It's oh, pretty that's, fun. That's cool. So um, but yeah, so, so we have these different translations. We have these different versions. We have, uh, we walked through kind of each one of these, these translations and where they fit. Mm-hmm. So let's, let's try to be, let's be a little practical about this. We're, we're really wrapping up this whole four three or four weeks, whatever we've been spending on the Bible now. Um, how do we apply this to? Lay people Christians studying the Bible today, right now I gotta sneeze. That'll that sound was fun. that'll sound really cool with the distortion <laughs> on it. <laughs> that came on really quick right there. Um But how do how do we take this and apply it to people trying to do Bible study on their own every day? Well, I think there's I mean, obviously, you want to get a Bible that is um, that is thorough. You don't I, like you said. You wouldn't use a, a, a paraphrase, or even a. I would even venture to say, like a thought for thought. Like I, I wouldn't want to use either of those categories as a as a study Bible or as a you know devotional Bible or, or something like that. Um, but really, it comes down to like so many other things in the church, and we typically frown upon this when we, when we talk about it, but it comes down to a personal preference thing. Mm-hmm. Um, if you read the ESV and you don't like the way it's worded and you and you read the NIV and you like that better than... I know the NIV is a is a thought for thought. <laughs> Bad example, but that's just the three letters that came to my mind. Um, yeah. But, I mean, really, it, it comes down to what is what version of the Bible are you attaching to more yeah there's there's no point if you are reading the King James Version and you're not taking in anything there's no need you might as you're wasting your time yeah I mean you're you're reading the Bible and, and good that you're doing that but at the same time if you're if it's not soak if you' if it's not soaking into your mind if you're not applying it to your life, then you might as well be reading the comics in the newspaper, you know, (laughs) because you're also reading the newspaper if you're reading the King James version. Um, But, but, you know, there, there's so many different types of, I mean, there's study Bibles for men and women and teens and, and kids and couples. You've got like, Um, the, the chapter on, on this points out apologetic study Bibles and the one year Bible and the praise and worship study Bible. Um, the, the, the note makers Bible, I mean, like the Bible for dummies, like there's so many different, there's so many different options out there. And and really it comes down to what do you as a lay person, what are you going to and I hate using the word, the term or phrase, get the most out of it, because that seems like we're trying to get something out of our time in the Bible when it really should be more about spending time with Jesus. Um, Mm -hmm. but what version are you going to be able to soak in, meditate on, apply to your life the most? Um, and in finding that version and 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 running with it and then using other versions to supplement that where your main version like my main version would be probably the h the hcsb or the csb um but when i need a little more explanation or i want to go a little deeper or figure or see how another version of the bible reads in a passage i'll jump over to that and i use it on my phone so it's easy to yeah, go back and forth. You can, I mean, you can see anything in just about any translation yeah. with the internet now. Yeah, I mean, biblegateway.com. Mm-hmm. Um, the Bible, the, just the Bible app, like the standard yeah. Bible app, has all that stuff readily available. Yeah, so I um, would highly recommend that if you're not already on it, and that's but, all free for the record. That's yeah, <laughs> you don't have to pay for it, and, and they're not paying us for that for that plug no. either. So, <laughs> but I mean, you, you talk about like, like the, the question you asked was like what you know how do we apply that and and really the the simplest thing is it's up to you yeah you know like what works for rick as a theologian isn't going to work for patrick as a layperson. no and and, you know depending on you know how much you know how much time you have you, you might not have time to do a deep dive into the word for word meaning of of psalm 23 but you might be able to look at a paraphrase and 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 glean much more from the paraphrase than you would have if you had tried reading a word for word translation so it is really such you know there's time there's times and places for for all translations i think yeah in all of the different uh, categories that we talked about tonight yeah and and what you, I love what you really hit on because that that's going to tie into one of the last points that, that I really kind of wanted to make um, which is when you study the Bible don't be afraid of using resources to go along with your Bible study. Um, now, I'm, I'm going to say that with a little asterisk beside it because I think you have to be very, very, very careful about what resources you pick to study the Bible along with. Um, but you know, look into commentaries, Hmm. look into, um, word studies. Um, you can do, you can do a lot of this stuff online for free. There are programs that you can also invest in. If you, I mean, if you want to go deeper and you want to spend some time on it, Logos is a fantastic program. I have owned Logos Bible software since I was in college um, and I'm not going to say when that was because that'll, that'll give away how old I actually am. They didn't um, have computers back then. Don't lie. <laughs> this was back when, uh, when Moses was still, was still chiseling into, into stone back then. Um, but Logos Bible software is a, is a fantastic, uh, software that is, uh, I mean, for just, I, I say it's cheap, but I mean, for, for less than a thousand dollars. You can get into a fully functional version of Logos with lots and lots of resources in it. That the note taking, the cross referencing, all of that kind of stuff is built into Logos, and it's just fantastic. So, mm-hmm. um, but don't be afraid to use things to help you study the Bible. Don't think that you know you're a you're a bad Christian if you can't just open the Bible and read Second Chronicles twenty seven seven and be like, oh my gosh. This is amazing, I can't believe that I understand what God you know no it's it's not that easy as as a as a you know somebody who's been there and studied it. I've studied the Bible for a long time now, and even I'm telling you it's not easy it's difficult it's hard. there are times when I open my Bible and I read it, and I'm like, what the crap yeah, <laughs> you know <laughs> um and so don't think that because you can't just open to some random verse and get something amazing out of it that you're a bad Christian. You're a bad person. No, it takes diligence. It takes discipline. Um, it takes time. It takes a lot, a lot of time. I, I'll never forget the day that I walked into college. Uh, one of my first professors that I met who is just within the last two years has, has passed away. And, and I was saddened to hear of his loss, but I'll never, ever forget him because he had such an impact on me as a, growing Christian and I I mean I walked into to college to study religion thinking man I'm way ahead of the curve and and what I found out real fast was I was not way ahead of the curve (laughs) but but he said you know he walked into and this was a theology class and and he said uh first thing he said was people always ask me how do you understand the book of revelation now the book of revelation is one of the the most difficult books of the bible to to understand and he said the easiest way to understand the book of Revelation is to understand the 65 books that came before Revelation. Mm. And as as simple as that sounds, you can't detach any one book from the Bible because the Bible is the Bible. It is a book. Now, it is made up of 66 books, but it is a book. And so if you want to understand what John is talking about at the four creatures and the, you know, eyeballs all over their head and the, this and the that, and all the stuff that he brings up, spend time learning the rest of the Bible so that you can understand it when you get there. Yeah, You know, uh, this is going to be another shameless plug for why I love expository preaching,
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, from church pulpits because expository preaching is not glamorous. It's not, it's not going to attract thousands and thousands of people and it's hard. Um, But the more you do expository preaching and you take your church congregation from the beginning of a book to the end of a book, and you teach that book diligently week after week, and you do that repeatedly with different books of the Bible week after week, year after year, you're going to develop a congregation, a group of people who love scripture, who know scripture, and who are willing to apply scripture to their life and take it into their communities Mm -hmm. because they understand that. Jeremiah 29:11 is not about me winning a football game and Philippians 4:13 is not about my sports team getting what they want. You know, they're going to understand the context. They're going to understand what scripture actually means and they're going to apply it. So, I love what you said there about about finding one that fits you. That is absolutely 100% on the mark. But I would also add to that Find one that fits you and find another one that you can read that's kind of mm-hmm. on the other end of the spectrum. Yeah. If you gravitate toward a CSB, go find you an ESV or a, a NASB to read along with it and, and go bounce back and forth between those two versions. On the flip side, if you gravitate toward an ESV, go find you an NIV or an NLT and read those two in tandem and because you're you're going to find yourself bouncing back and forth between and you're going to land somewhere in the middle of that mm-hmm. which is probably the safest place to be yeah so mm-hmm. um that that's some great advice i i really appreciate that you said that from from a layperson's perspective because that that just means that more and more people actually will understand and actually do understand what it takes to study the bible which is just discipline and 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 sticking to it, and just saying, "I'm going to do this." Yeah, and and under- understanding that we never get there too. I think that's no. important. Like, like until until we until we die, there's there's nothing that nothing in the Bible that you cannot learn. I mean, you know, you can read you can read John three a thousand times and keep finding new nuggets if you're looking for them yeah and reading yeah. different translations just allow just gives you more opportunities to find the yeah. things that you haven't seen before yeah i don't know who said it i i, I would credit them if i knew who said this but I, I once heard it said that the bible is shallow enough that the the lightest swimmer would never drown but it's deep enough that the most learned theologian could never find the bottom mm. so uh there you go that's the bible uh, we, we've discussed it for weeks and weeks. We'd love to hear uh, your thoughts on that. Uh, do you have a preferred translation? Do you have something that you like better? Uh, let us know what it is. Let us know why it is that you like that. Um, and Patrick, if they wanted to let us know through social media, how would they do that? How would they let us know? We are on Instagram at beersandbible underscore. You can find us on Twitter at p one you can find us on Facebook by searching beers and Bible Podcast" and looking for our logo. You can also reach out to us via email. We are at beers and Bible podcast at gmail.com. Um, we would love to, to hear from you. Uh, let us know what version of the Bible you listen to. Let us know what version of the Bible you read. not <laughs> listen to you. Might listen you might listen to, it, might listen too, to it. I guess that that is an option in 2020. Um, so yeah, let us know a version of the Bible you read. Um, if you have any questions about some, a version that you, that you've read or, you know, the, the list we mentioned tonight is not exclusive. If you're curious about the, where the version you read falls on that spectrum, let us know and we can, we can help you find that out or, or, uh, ask the people who, who would know. So, <laughs> um, yeah, we're, we're excited about where we're going. We're not, we're getting kind of close to the end of where this uh 77 questions about god in the bible book is going to take us i think um so we, we've got some things we got to discuss but we're, we're excited about what's coming up next and for the podcast and we hope that you continue to listen and enjoy and like and share us with uh your friends and family and pastors and bartenders and all the people in your life really especially your bartenders. Yes. Share us with your bartenders, yes. please. Do that. So Do that. So until next week, uh, we hope you have a great week. We hope you find Hershey's chocolate, Yingling Porter, amazingness. I'm glad Patrick got to get a hold of it. Yes. Uh, in all of its glory and splendor. Uh, so until next week, enjoy some cold beer. Enjoy some good discussion. And we will see you later. Peace out. If you enjoy what you hear on Beers and Bible please consider leaving a five-star rating and review on your podcast platform to help us
0: promote this podcast.